Welcome to the Zero Inside Information Newsletter. Thank you for listening. Let's start. So you're asking me for some sort of drastic fantasy. And now, if you feel like olive oil LARPing as dip sauce for stale bread, I come to you with some good news. We are about to enter a little mood, slowly snowballing into a big mood. I'm really passionate and confused about a lot of things, and my plan is to slowly introduce them to this newsletter podcast format which I think is a nice combination between images, sound, text, and listening comfort. Now, whenever I make a graph, I have this weird tendency to make time on the y-axis actually go down instead of up. So, for instance, 30 is the new 60, 60 is the new 90, and 90 is the new dead. I'm recently loving an all-business approach. Full of shit. Manic. A mood that is unsubscribed from the Netflix of pain. It's rather subscribed to like a, like a premium of 360 video, VR, theater at all times. Let's call it insanity as a business model. I have hyperlinks in the transcription on my Substack. You can like find out what I'm talking about if you're unfamiliar with some specific terms. I will also try to introduce them like every now and then, like as some sort of like little insertion. I come before you with uh, some humble ideas about life, liberty, and the pursuit of mania. In the second part, I'll explore some ideas about a style, which I dubbed Gore-Tex Rococo, a dark, cozy trend. Maybe an extrapolation of cottagecore. I suspect that this style will begin feeding into the micro-mainstream. And so this newsletter is some sort of... Um, an authorized trend report, if you will, like a biography that the subject disagrees with. The style of this newsletter is stemming from Craftcore. Craftcore has been trending in fashion for well over a year now, I think. It's a DIY look where everything is permitted as long as it's like badly made. Unfinished seams, patchwork, abhorrent material choices, we can't get enough of it. Overlocked hems, lots of loose threads, uh, also these nice like 70s reference to raw edge lettuce hems. I mean, you should look them up, there's a hyperlink in the description. Uh, crooked zippers, zero expertise creates a sense of style for this clownesque era. I think craftcore clothing is a good interlude to a state of what I would call perma artisanal. 
What Craftcore writing is, I will subject to a natural process over time. I suspect it will be very ambiguous, complicated, and somewhat silly. But who cares about spelling if nobody's reading anyway, right? All I can say is that I'm speaking to you from a room with one RGB LED in every corner and no furniture. Purple, red, green, yellow, light, these are colors I like and they're shining bright at this moment. In this world of eternal optimization, it's good to be preoccupied with the next step. Yet, the next step might be backwards. So we'll see how this goes. Hey, let's get back on task. Um, we're not looking for some sort of like relatively mild mental illness here, but rather for full-blown mania. There is no reason not to be manic anymore. Reality doesn't really exist outside of cultural analysis, so let's see who can out-patty who. Domestic Cozy, which was introduced by the Ribbon Farm like around 2019 and was also like widely experienced in like my sort of uh, peer friend group in 2019, like staying at home, clubbing is for old people, all that jazz, let's not go out, have a quiet life. This is no match for artisanal hippomania. This is not some sort of millennial individualism audience inquiry, like where or where are my friends. No, this is frontline, fire and forget, call of duty, Xbox Live, chat room, yo mama, drone execution, neurosis, tail and maximalism. When I recently saw the release of Cyberpunk 2077, the aesthetics filled me with dread. I thought it sucked, I thought it was a, a bad like idea about the future and this like weird 80s revival, uh, it didn't interest me at all. Until, that's really until I heard about the infinite number of glitches and bugs plaguing the game. Weather, day, night, time of day change instantly when you bump into another car while driving, people doing weightlifting with dumbbells while simultaneously holding guns. It leads me to say that the bugs in Cyberpunk are the only true artistic aspect of the game. The cyberpunk bugs serve as a blip in a model making me think that mania is the little mood that is coming. There is this nice like breaking smart post about the differences between like big mood and little mood. Uh, big mood is something where you would like see a meme and you would say like big mood. The idea that the difference between big and little mood is that like they're both based on mutual knowledge so we like we all relate to it but big moods are like widely shared and everybody knows about the mutual knowledge so a knows that B knows that B knows that A knows, whereas little moods are more sort of feeding into a micro mainstream where like you don't really know yet that other people know that this is a mood and uh, you only feel the mood yourself and you don't know that that mood is shared by other people yet. And this leads me to think like these bugs and cyberpunk leads me, leads me to think that mania is the little mood that is coming. Everyone completely manic all the time, but not in the millennial way looking for audiences in every space, trying to get rewards that are going to increase through what millennial individualism thinks pays off, they have nothing in the bank of credibility anymore. We're looking at some face value, pure and unfiltered mania. Mom? Can we have mania from the stock market? No, we have mania at home. The good thing about mania is that it makes non-events interesting. Okay, let's look at some uh, Staxibit A, which is like an image, which is the cover of like FIFA 2008. I think from 2008 till about 2009 or at least 2010, the covers had this really like manic Adobe Lightroom aesthetic uh, with lots of Photoshop effects and like a high level, like a high mid-level contrast, I think. And if you ask me, this will definitely come back into graphic design soon. Um, it's been out of fashion for quite a long time. And it's like, I think it's a specific... Uh, function which is called clarity in Adobe Lightroom, which really popped off in the early 2010s. 
And fuck, man, I just love this cover. After a full year of running the engines at idle power, I'm wondering if the stationary engine is actually a tire burning, rubber melting, smoking hot wheel spin before the last jerk off. Calling the new generation Generation Z is not a very optimistic thing to do. By the way, the new new generation is called Generation Alpha. I suspect that the chief reason to call them that is some sort of like post-apocalypse Anthropocene art show fantasy thinking or something. I don't know. It's weird. Um, in a way, the world is now filled with non-events. The brown bits of engagement on the bottom of the pan have been deglazed with natural wine. Engagement has been reduced to spectatorship at all times. The caramelized fawns sticking to the pan toning the sequence of events have sublimated into a troubled mix where one might claim they can still taste the sulfi in a natural wine, but everybody else knows that their natural wine cult is claiming deterministic agency over things that are distributed at random. Either that or they're allergic or something. In this cloudy broth, you should take stock. Reference yourself. All other references are forbidden. Quoting oneself is a fairly wise alternative to sublimating other people's words. It's a creepy manifestation that serves the clownesque era. If the simulation fucks with you, plays with you, bugs you, presents you with glitches, it's time to get the saxophone out. Why scream into the void if you can perform a solo? Ask a manic what keeps them awake at night, and they will say, uh, nothing, I keep other people awake at night. Manic is winning at chess in an authoritarian way. Silent, not explaining what you did. When the opponent blundered their queen, when and why you castled. Manic is not this postmodern, shared learning experience winning. Winning and then humiliating the opponent even further by explaining how and why they have lost and what they could have done better to embed some sort of like personal growth in the game of chess. No, I prefer chat winning. Queen to e4, mate. You do the dishes, thanks for cooking. Strong emotions. Gut feelings are never wrong. So now in the newsletter we have this Textibit B, which is like a tweet that I really relate to on a deep level. It simply says like, my heart cannot bear any more chilling or relaxing. I need to do wrong. And I relate to this in so many ways. I think after so much chilling, a lot of people, including me, needed a change of pace. Like movies don't do anything anymore. You can't really watch them. It's too boring. Like what are you gonna do? I loudly exhale three times, subsiding anxiety that comes back as soon as the breathing exercise ceases. Auto-refresh, stalk, tweet, regret, retweet, undo, tweet, and then retweet again. They are part of the ambience of culture of my whole life. Before going on social media, put the pan on high heat for 10 minutes. Before adding the bone-chilled meat, the loss of heat in the pan is the perfect temperature. Evaporate the water, allow the flavors to mature. Exhale again and again. These are all breathing exercises to some extent. Now we look at another tweet, uh, stocks all-time high, home prices all-time high, corporate bond yields all-time low, mortgage rates all-time low. What does this mean? This means that the fucking mania is coming. It's even in the stock markets. The only way is up, 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 up. Like no matter what crisis, the stock market always goes up. If you're like me, deeply, deeply done with dinners, you will have to act. If escapism becomes powerless, you have to go behind enemy lines in the living room. Sometimes you should hide behind the couch even when nobody's watching. Think about ordering food. 
Overcome great adversity by cooking yourself. Leave the plate out on a dinner table. Your desk, your homemade armchair constructed out of cloths of dubious origin and materials of untraceable contacts or wherever the fuck you eat as long as it's not behind the laptop. Let the food go cold. Circle the food for hours. Stare at it. Grohl at it. Laugh at it. Eat half of it. Throw the other half in the bin. Stay hungry. I call this predator mania. Next day, take the food out of the bin, offer it to your roommate. Ego dumpster diving is hyperlocal and it's punk adjacent. Taking drugs in these manic times is to me really about anticipation. It is the taking that is fun, not so much being high. In a way, it is an S-curve. Although seeing talking tofu in a rotting leftover food punctuated by like contracted proteins on the couch, on shrooms, is better to see yourself than in some crap cinema. The symptoms of mania include elevated mood, either euphoric or irritable, flight of ideas, pressure of speech, increased energy, decreased need and desire for sleep, and hyperactivity. They are most plainly evident in a fully hypomanic state. However, in full-blown mania, they undergo progressively severe exacerbations and become more and more obstructed by other signs and symptoms such as delusions and fragmentations of behavior. I now strongly believe that more automation equals more mania. This is to me a simple energy management problem. Imagine being all fired up behind the wheel of your car, stuck in a traffic jam, you're angry, but there are tasks to complete. Switch lanes, start, stop, start, stop. Now imagine that same situation in an autonomous vehicle, yet bearing the privacy that no train has. What are you going to do? Tweet, of course. Of course fucking of course. Demonstrations are useful no matter how marginal because people do not actually remember silence. They remember events. More silence, more energy left over from tasks that are now automated simply must mean more tailspin into self-created dramatic situations. All this time and nothing to do gives you plenty of room to organize your own petty thoughts. And if one is to stay insane, it is absolutely crucial to create micro events during the day. Create a poorly written problem. Obsess over it without telling anyone. Make a terrible decision. Let developments follow in rapid succession. Divert attention to something else. Never look back until you're laying awake, trying to sleep six years later on a Tuesday night at 2 a.m. the day before a job interview. Make a painting on a towel using lots of capian red. Let the paint dry, go in the shower, use no soap, especially no shampoo. Never ever use shampoo. Shampoo is really a psyop to me. As soon as I saw that you could like buy shampoo for damaged hair, I thought, well, who do you think damaged the hair? Put the shower as hot as possible. Get out of the shower, take the towel that is now almost dry to the touch with the wet paint on it, proceed to make the most abstract ass body paint ever using the towel. Take lots of obligatory mirror selfies, obsess over yourself, see how you look, tuck in your tummy, and then I think you should post them and like, tag Renzo Piano on Twitter. I think this new Manic Epoch will be like a little bit different from the LARP Epoch, which I feel we're closing now. Also like with the year of lockdown, I think the LARP Epoch is kind of over. In the LARP Epoch, the the LARP should come to you. You should be stuck in a LARP. If you do the LARP, it's not, it's just, it's just a LARP, but that's not really what LARPing means. It's about a loss of control. But I think this is now sort of reversed or like inversed even, where I think it's time to create LARPs for oneself and one another. Huh? Um, create a live multimedia novel wherein things have taste, wherein things matter, where you can map out identification points. 
So after that little first part of Mania, I would like to talk about uh, Gore-Tex Rococo. I think Gore-Tex Rococo could be like the mania from the periphery of style. I love the fact that people are complaining all the time about the, that there's only nostalgia, Y2K, uh, 90s, Gen X aesthetics, in trends, and are constantly talking about this like ever shorter trend cycle. But simultaneously, they also debate the exact time frame of what the last good year was. So after 2016, you got this idea of like the great weirding or like the death of Harambe, and Trump, Brexit, blah, blah, blah. But what was the last good year? When was shit still fun? What was like the last representation of the old world? Was it 2015, 13, 11 maybe, perhaps? 2015, Mark Fisher, John Galliano walk into a bar. John says, this is insane and it solves nothing. Yeah, let's go home and eat fries. Well, I don't know. To me, there's only bad years. Okay, Cottagecore, we've got to talk about it. It came up in like end of 2019, early 2020. It was like, it went haywire after like the fucking pandemic. And it has all these like piss poor ruffles. I don't want loose-fitting dress or, like, baggy Victorian pants. No, what I want is volume. As tight as possible, snug fit, as wide as possible. Then here I have, like, Staxibit D, where we have some, like, nice Puma shoes that I found. These shoes are, to me, they're definitely, like, proto Gore-Tex for Coco. Um, they have this nice scratched white leather, which has, like, a deeper layer of color. So all the scratches contrast with the white. This is also a look that you've seen in, like, a lot of fake leather belts from, like, around 2006-2008 era. And then they have this heel, which is gracefully highlighted with some... Louis XIV pattern type shit. Um, I'm opting for clothes designed in non-Euclidean hyperbolic space. Hyperbolic Rococo. Vector space, I've got bad news for you, buddy. You're out. Pack your stuff and go. No more vectorized illustrator, shape builder, white to fucking K flowers. And my critique of pure reason, it sucks. Hyperbolic space is a homogeneous space that has like a constant negative curvature. Now, what the hell does that mean? Hyperbolic space is pretty ill, but it's super hard to visualize. And math doesn't give us anything. I mean, it's too abstract. We were bad at it at school. We have nightmares from it. Actually, I still wake up sometimes thinking I have to take an exam without like having prepared and shit. No, hyperbolic space is a curved space, meaning that if you imagine a grid with coordinates, It is the grid itself that is curved, not any objects that might be possibly in it. Imagine if in Photoshop you're drawing with pixels, but the pixels would not be blocks in a grid, they would rather be curved. You can still draw along the grid, it just means that the straight lines have a curve to them, they're projected differently. The only way you can understand this is by projection. Here in the new text we have a nice image of a crocheted 2D plane with straight stitches. It shows the typical diverging straight lines by stitching straight upon the topology of the 2D plane. But when negative curvature is applied to it, the lines actually start to diverge. So it's a very nice real-world example of like what a hyperbolic space can do. Let's get into the easiest way to understand hyperbolic space. Let's start off with Euclidean and spherical spaces. Think of a regular flat uh, 2D Euclidean plane that goes off into every direction uh, and has no curvature. It's an endless grid. We ourselves are in regular as Euclidean space, but if we add some sort of a positive curvature, we get a spherical shell. This is not like a solid ball, like you should imagine some sort of, uh, there's no inside or outside, it's just an infinitely thin 
two-dimensional shelf. It looks a bit like a globe. So you might think that this is really similar to us living on the surface of the Earth, unless you're like a flat earther, of course. But there's actually a very big difference. It has to do with light and lines. Think about light bending around the curved space of a black hole. Uh, the gravity of a black hole is so heavy that it actually bends the light and bends the space-time continuum. It's just the space itself that is curved. So if the Earth actually has spherical space-time, then looking out on the horizon, the light you would see would actually travel all the way around the Earth in an arc. In fact, there wouldn't be an horizon anymore. Things would be a lot weirder. Yes, even weirder than they already are. The opposite is true for hyperbolic geometry. It's a negative space, more of a cone shape. There are no parallel lines and every line diverges from one another. The corners stretch to infinity, endlessly removed. I think it's really important to stretch corners to infinity. Hyperbolic geometry in fashion is nothing new. Crocheting is an excellent technique for creating 2D hyperbolic planes and is a nice extrapolation of the cottagecore trend. Alternatively, you can stitch like a hyperbolic blanket or something if you're into that kind of stuff. Uh, there is lots of YouTube tutorials about how to do this. Uh, I also have like one linked in the description. So with this warped uh, negative curvature geometry and all this stretching going on, so how big do you want your model to be? Well, infinitely big, but also infinitely small, depending on how you look at it. Let's start modeling behavior, attitudes, moods, manias, and designs in artisanal space. In artisanal space, the coordinates are gestural, erratic, decimals hypercut with frivolous incredulity. The grid is an endless spaghettification. Yes, that's a real word, look it up. No parallel lines, only abstract performative lines. Good luck navigating this mania. Google Maps won't help you this time. Here, in artisanal space, there's only Bitcoin amoebas roaming the seas. All cases are edge cases. When everything is experimental, put the art back in artisanal. Gortex Rococo, to me, is a dichotomy that I would describe as gestural versus rendered. But both are viewed through like a hyperbolic prism. They mix in the middle without ever touching in the realms of like opulent ornamentation, efficacy execution, and manic material choices. They diverge endlessly. Sushi, shopping, skiing, these are not Gore-Tex Rococo to me. Saffron, sacrifice, and screaming come much closer to me. I feel disgruntled at the lack of uh, equivalent to stilettos for men. Chains of banalities can be decoupled and intervened upon. Let's imagine something like a skirt that you're designing or something, and you're doing an A-line pleated skirt. So what you could do is like something like pleat, pleat, zipper, rip. Technique is nothing but failed style, and style is in a way unimportant. A great sense of style comes with no shame. Technique is a chain of banalities without intervention, a linear pattern. The dot falls exactly on the line, in the middle of the line is average in a way. Until some asshole invents like neo-normcore, we can serve the wave of like wearing decathlon without pondering if Ketcha is the epitome of cool or like at the bottom of a pit of despair. Let's think about it together if you will. An omnipotent figure could potentially pull off the worst look of all time. And why wouldn't they? This goes back to the surgeon example of equal skill. You work at a hospital, you're in uh, HR management, and you're about to hire a new surgeon. Two surgeons arrive at the hospital, they show up, you do the interview, one looks like a butcher covered in blood and like shit and like whatever, and the other one looks as neat as possibly can, like perfect son-in-law. Which one do you hire? given that they have both equal skill. 
obviously the butcher, who had to overcome greater adversity. The omnipotent figure would probably wear fleas, but not this like tacky tech polar fleas. No, run-of-the-mill, 2 euro per meter, 996 in a bad way, bright red with an orange U fleas. Playfulness is not neat. Who cares that your tech bro jacket only weighs 14 milligrams if you don't have a scale to measure it? I propose you bring some sort of like live data feed with you at all times. Project it on a wall. Hey Jim, how are you? Boom! Quantum graph projection. A squiggly line with snazzy axes, diagonal axes, fuck it, no grids, axes move too. Every line of graph, the curve is coming for you. Here in a new drawing, we see uh, one of the first of three drawings I made. We see this tech bro, he's standing on the street, it's raining, and he's wearing this tech wear jacket, and it has a projector on it. It projects a live data feed up on the wall. And I think this is nice. I think this idea of like personal traceback data is interesting. I have so many questions. Like, when did I stop rolling my pants? When did I wear skater shoes for the last time? What about Buckethead? When did I wear ironic t-shirts? When did I stop wearing them? When did I start wearing them again? These are things I question often. I would like to have some sort of more like personal history with these things and like start tracking them in a way, like totally autistic. The cutting edge has been blunted somewhat. Simultaneously, I think that the chamfer is like the lowest amount of bits to give something definition. But when did tomatoes become so acidic? I sweep the wet bathroom floor with my towel after the shower and use it for two more days. Is this like anti-fragile? Let's get back on task. Let's explore some of the key points of Cortex Rococo. I think arrogant yet affordable is what I'm trying to describe perhaps. Digital design, but not like this demo reel for AutoCAD. Silhouettes are tight but sculptural. Following and leaving the body as so desired, a deep belief that only weirdos are tolerant. If we take premium mediocre, as described by Venkatesh Rao, uh, you know, you're eating fast casual dinner and like you're eating grilled aubergine, it's amazing, but it's also 12 fucking euros and actually you could make it at home for a much less of the price and also probably better. Uh, so like that's what premium mediocre is. If we take premium mediocre and take the opposite, so premium mediocre, cross multiply and solve for X, insignificant is to premium, what excellent is to mediocre, but Cortex Rococo is not interested in insignificant excellent, it's interested in excellent excellence. The partial abandonment of symmetry, everything being composed of these graceful lines and curves, and like Cortex itself, Cortex was actually invented by mistake, uh, abandonment of symmetry can lead to happy little accidents, like born partly in frustration, getting annoyed enough to pass the threshold of doing something is always good. I think disagreement is intrinsically meaningful. If you look at Gore-Tex, this dude was just trying to heat some fibers and trying to get their asses long and skinny, and he was failing. Instead of like slowly stretching the heated material, he applied a sudden accelerating yank, the solid PTFE unexpectedly stretched to like about 800%. 800%, see, I think that's an important number. Hyperbolic tendencies are embedded in the innovation of Cortex itself. It was like about 70% air, in other words, 70% bullshit. The very wide use of flowers in ornamentation, an example of that being festoons in Rococo, for instance, I think 
I think Gore-Tex Rococo could have some like rough cut vacuum formed epaulettes, like some sort of like some polymer creme brulee, hard and distinct on the outside, soft and sweet on the inside. I think clothing with like a beautiful lining will make a comeback. Maybe epaulettes should be connected with some sort of magnetic rope loose on the shoulders, forming a backpack perhaps. For a long time, I've thought about like sewing a shirt with like a bigger collar every month. Linear growth, make the collar 10% bigger every month, never stop, at least till like at least until I reach like 800%. Again, that important number. Um, but now I'm thinking that could be a hyperbolic function as well. In Italy, the saying goes, the bigger the collar, the bigger the dick. Just think about like the point of a hyperbolic collar. On Substack, I have two diagrams, like where you see the designs for two of the shirts with the bigger colors. If we think about Silicon Valley, removing friction has been the playbook of Silicon Valley for the last couple of years. They're trying to have the least amounts of clicks to perform an action. They tried adding tipping to Uber, add tipping to Uber ride adds a step. And they were trying to have no steps. Cortex Rococo is the opposite to me. There are no parallel lines in hyperbolic space. Lines always diverge, infinite steps, maximum friction for a short period, then move away again. In a technocratic system, which starts from the premise that we're all selfish, that everyone is like a utility maximizing individual and that we're constantly on the lookout for a better deal, but that deal is always in material terms, i.e. fucking money, everybody always wants more. There is nothing else to human nature. Therefore, setting people up against each other. It's basically like ranking yank, where you shower the top performers with everything you can in terms of bonuses and privilege, and then the you unceremoniously, humiliatingly fire the lowest five like few percent. Winner takes all. That whole system is so deeply corrosive. It is important to perform deranged, shallow work. Make sure you regularly perform a tour de force of sub-optimization. If there's no collective bargaining power for the people, then you can still inflate like events themselves. I basically fully agree with what Bach has to say about this. I think art is first and foremost a dysfunction, where people might see art as a tool, instrumental to some sort of way, a tool for, let's say, like signaling status or education, hell, maybe even entertainment purposes or ornamentation. I think it's better to see art as something that tries to capture conscious states, like A plus B creates some sort of synthesis, observation for the sake of observation, because the conscious state is the important thing that needs to be conserved. It's a surface. It's a surface to something that is more important than all the other things you could be doing possibly at that time. Not looking for rewards that are going to increase through what you have learned, but rather trying to capture a certain structure for its own sake. People who are not doing that are sharks and they're looking for liberal growth and they're incompatible with like this dysfunctional thinking. Submit to ideas that are crazy enough not to be untrue. You are unimportant as a subject in a way. I love it when friends of mine point to something and they say like, this is good art, or that's a piece. That's why it's good to be manic. Splines of mania have no marginal cost. It can be felt again and again and again and again. Fresher, free of all boredom, and at a lower unit price than non-events. The emotion can short every possible non-event to a greater squeeze. Sub-optimization is important. Fine dining with esoteric dietary choices. So far, this uh, consultancy from uh, Hyperbolic Periphery, it is what it is. It, this was the first episode. Uh, this newsletter was influenced by Friends, Full Moon, Sleepless Nights, and Mozzarella, Saffron, Fatou, Shalat. Metallic Honey Tea with like 
grass hay-like notes. Um, thanks for listening, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>